0: In John 11, the 10 verses that we read, 17 to 27, the main dynamic is that Martha is caught between hope and hesitation. I'll explain that in a couple of minutes. But let me set the scene so that you can see what I'm talking about. When Jesus arrives, Lazarus has already been dead for four days. Since back in verse 6 of John 11 we read that Jesus delayed only two days after he got the message about Lazarus' sickness. We know then that if Jesus had come immediately when he got the message that Lazarus was sick, he still would have arrived two days after Lazarus died. Therefore, we can infer a couple of things. One is that the journey from Bethany to wherever Jesus had been was... At least two days. If Jesus had left the same day when he got the message, he would have gotten there two days after Lazarus died, which means that the journey was at least two days. This will be a relevant detail later on, so just bear that in mind. Wherever Jesus had been on the east of the Jordan, back over to the west to Bethany, was at least two days. Bear that in mind. More importantly, we can infer that there must be some significance in Jesus' mind about showing up four days after Lazarus died instead of showing up two days after Lazarus died. After all, did in verse 6 tell us that because Jesus loved Mary and her sister and Lazarus, therefore he stayed two days longer? in the place where he was. Now here's the significance of that detail. In conventional Jewish thinking, the soul of a deceased person would hang around, guess for how long? Three days. And then on the fourth day, the spirit decided, okay, this body is dead and gone. Let me just get out of here. So on the fourth day, the spirit would leave entirely. But for the first three days, it was hanging around. So in popular thinking, when somebody died, yes, they were really dead. But for the first three days, the soul was nearby. This is not correct thinking, but it was the predominant thinking of the Jewish people at this time. The relevance of this to us is that it seems that Jesus waited until Lazarus was totally dead. He didn't show up after only two days to raise Lazarus because then, upon his resurrection, doubtless, a number of people would be like, Well, the soul was still lingering nearby. Jesus waits until Lazarus has been dead for four days so that in people's minds the soul is gone and Lazarus is totally dead. This is going to strengthen the impression that this miracle makes upon the observers. But, waiting until Lazarus has already been dead four days before he shows up is also going to deepen the sense of Mary and Martha's hopelessness. So with that in mind, let's consider now Martha's hope and hesitation. In verse 21, Martha comes out to meet Jesus and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Some people take this as an accusation, like, why didn't you come sooner? But remember and this is the relevance of what I told you earlier, remember that it was at least a two-day journey from where Jesus was on the east of the Jordan, and he couldn't have reasonably been expected to leave any sooner than he had got the message. And so, Martha would have known that the earliest that she could have reasonably expected it was two days after Lazarus had died. Therefore, blaming Jesus for not being there sooner would be like phoning your friend in the UK this morning and telling them to get here to Barbados as soon as you can and then blaming them for not being here this afternoon. It just wouldn't be possible. It just wouldn't be realistic. So no, Mary is, or pardon me, Martha is not blaming Jesus, but she's just lamenting the way that we do when something tragic happens to someone. You know, we say, I just wish there was something I could have done. Right, or we say, if I had only known. You know, perhaps your son or your daughter borrows your car, gets in a car accident and dies. And you say, if I had only known. I mean, obviously it's not as if you could have realistically done anything different. You're not going to put your kids under house arrest lest something should happen to them. It's just part and parcel of normal activities. But we say things like that, don't we? I just wish there was something I could have done. If I had only known. I think it's in this sense then that Martha comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, if you had been here, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's just lamenting. But we do see Martha's confidence in Jesus that he could have done something if he had been there when Lazarus was sick. I have been to a number of funerals and nobody has ever approached me and said, John, if you had been here, if you had been here, my loved one would not have died. And I think it's the same for you, isn't it? Has anyone ever approached you at a funeral and said something like that? So we see here Martha's confidence in Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Don't underestimate what she is saying. And her confidence in Jesus is further displayed when she says next, and this is dumbfounding, but even now, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. For her, Though Lazarus has already been dead, not two days, but four days, in spite of that, Martha is not utterly hopeless. When Jesus shows up, there is a glimmer of hope. We can say a little spark of hope, a little ember of hope. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, whatever you ask from God... God will give you. To this, Jesus responds, your brother will rise again. Of course, we know what Jesus' intentions are because we've read the entirety of John chapter 11. But Martha didn't have the luxury of reading John chapter 11 before she went out to speak with Jesus. She couldn't have known with certainty what Jesus' intentions were. Perhaps, in Martha's mind, Jesus was merely referring to the general resurrection at the end of all things. In fact, some commentators surmise that this phrase, your brother will rise again, was simply a standard Jewish consolation at that time, akin to the modern statement that we often hear at funerals, he's in a better place. In other words, it might have just been something that you said to comfort the grieving. So if you were an ancient Jew, you go to somebody's funeral and you say, your your sister will rise again, your grandmother will rise again, your brother will rise again. And this may have just been a customary Jewish greeting, reflecting the hope that the Israelites had in their God, that there was a resurrection and that the Jewish people were his people and that in their minds their God will raise them from the dead. It's possible that Jesus takes those words and makes them his own here, and Martha took them that way. It's possible in Martha's mind that Jesus is merely referring to the general resurrection. In any case, Martha certainly doesn't take Jesus' words here as a plain statement that he is immediately going to raise Lazarus from the dead. In her mind, it's, it's at least not obvious that that's what Jesus meant. And so she simply responds I know that you will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So Martha does have hope in Jesus, but we also see here some hesitation. She doesn't put the most hopeful spin on what Jesus said. Little children have a way of putting the most hopeful spin on what you say. Dad, sometime, can we do such and such? Yeah, sometime. Okay, let's do it. Like, no, I didn't say right now. Well, when then, tomorrow? (laughs) Children have a way of putting the most possible hopeful spin on whatever you say. And Martha doesn't do that here. She says, but even now. I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus says, your brother will rise again. She doesn't say, really, you will raise him right now? She doesn't put the most hopeful spin on this. She responds kind of cautiously. Perhaps it has crossed her mind that Jesus is going to immediately raise Lazarus. It's hard to understand what she meant when she said but even now I know that whatever you ask from God God will give you. It's hard to understand what she meant by that if it hadn't at least crossed her mind that Jesus would raise someone from the dead and after all back in verse 4 when Jesus got the message that Lazarus was sick he said this illness does not lead to death it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. If the messenger had went back to Martha and said this is what Jesus said, perhaps she had inferred from that that this wasn't going to ultimately end in Lazarus remaining dead. Perhaps this is what sparked that hope that prompted her to say, But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it. And this wouldn't be the first time that Jesus had raised the dead. It's not in John's Gospel, but in Luke 7 and in Luke 8, we read that on two occasions earlier in Jesus' ministry, he had raised the dead. Martha likely knew about these incidents as they were public events as she was a believer in the Lord Jesus. She had likely heard that he had raised the dead on two other occasions. And so perhaps Martha did have some hope that Jesus would raise Lazarus, prompting her statement, Even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And yet this response here, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day, seems to show some hesitation on Martha's part to get her hopes up to put all her eggs in that basket. In fact, later on, when Jesus goes to the tomb and commands that the stone will be rolled away, it is Martha who objects most vehemently. Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. So Martha is caught between hope on the one hand and a sense of hesitation... On the other hand, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. This is a recognition of Jesus' incredible power over sickness. And she says, even after Lazarus has been dead four days, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. He tells her later, which we'll talk about in a minute, I am the resurrection and the life. Then he goes to the tomb and says, remove the stone. And still, Lord, by now there will be an odor. You can see this tension, can't you? Between the hope that she feels on the one hand and the hesitation that she feels on the other hand. She hopes, but she doesn't want to get her hopes up too much. She hopes, but she doesn't want to put all her eggs in that basket. There is that popular saying, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. When a Nigerian prince emails you asking for your bank account information so that he can send you millions of dollars for a a gift of thanksgiving to you, A small token of his appreciation for helping you process a financial transaction that he needs to make. You don't get your hopes up, do you? When you see an ad on Beijing Marketplace on Facebook for a stay-at-home job paying 1,000 US dollars per hour, or or what is it, 999 is the common one that I see. You don't get your hopes up. Do you work remotely and earn $999 per hour? You don't get your hopes up, do you? When somebody tells you that they will resurrect your brother, you don't get your hopes up. Do you? You see, this is is exactly where Martha is. She has this hope, but she also has this hesitation. Isn't this unprecedented? Who who of you has been in a situation like this? Where someone comes to you and says, your brother will rise again. Dig up the coffin. You see? She hopes, but she also hesitates. Do you ever feel like Martha sometimes when it comes to to the claims of Jesus and the promises of Jesus and the work of Jesus. Stuck somewhere between hope and hesitation. Somewhat hesitant to believe that it could really all be true. There's a beautiful song, I'm sure many of you know it, called Is He Worthy? by Andrew Peterson, which asks, does the Father truly love us? Does the Spirit move among us? Does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those He loves? We could ask many questions like these. Could my sins really be forgiven? Could it be true, really, that my sin? Not in part, but the whole, has been nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more? Does absence from the body really mean presence with the Lord? Will my body really be raised from the grave? Is this really our hope as Christians? Will we, those of us who believe in Christ Jesus, will we really be able to see each other and talk to one another in 10,000 years? Will we really, together in 10,000 years, have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun? Do you ever feel yourself caught somewhere between hope and hesitation Martha is somewhat hopeful in Jesus apparently entertaining to some extent that he might just resurrect her brother here and now and yet also somewhat hesitant to believe that it would really happen let's look now at Jesus' response to Martha's heart dynamic first Jesus speaks into Martha's conflicted heart I am the resurrection and the life. There are two reasons for this response. First, in order that, as one commentator put it, the spark of hope might be fanned into a briskly burning open flame. What Martha scarcely dared to hope was about to become real. Real. And Jesus draws Martha's attention to himself, the person of himself. I am the resurrection and the life. As another commentator puts it, Jesus' concern is to divert Martha's focus from an abstract belief in what takes place on the last day to a personalized belief in him alone, in him who alone can provide it. I noticed that, for obvious reasons, not many homes in Barbados have a fireplace, but in Canada, many do. And there is something you've probably seen it uh, called fireplace bellows. It looks like almost like an accordion. It's like almost like two tennis rackets with like a bag in the middle, something like that. And you squeeze it together, and it blows air. So you get the fire going a little bit, Maybe you light a piece of newspaper on fire, put it under some small sticks, put on some bigger logs, and then you you breathe some air onto it with the bellows. Jesus takes a place of fireplace, takes a pair of fireplace bellows, as it were, and blows on the hole that is resident in Martha's heart. Here she is, conflicted, between hope and hesitation Jesus looks at it and says Martha I am the resurrection and the life I am the resurrection and the life I am the resurrection and the life based on verse 27 she evidently already knows that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, who is coming into the world. She didn't get that from this conversation. So when she confesses it, it's obviously what she has already known. Jesus is therefore then reminding her of his identity and its implications. As the Christ, the Son of God, he is also the resurrection and the life. Martha we might interpose the words. I am the Christ, the Son of God. Think about it then. I am the resurrection and the life. This is the sense of it. Jesus is the one who, as the Christ, the Son of God, has authority to lay down his own life and take it up again. And he has authority to give life to whosoever he wills. John ten eighteen and John five forty one. He who stands before Martha is he who stood on that heavenly pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heavens of clearness. In Exodus twenty four ten, or to use a better known image, he who has walked to Martha's house is he who has walked the golden streets. He is the Christ, the Son of God. And therefore, he is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, Jesus goes on to say, though he dies, yes shall be live. In other words, even death can't really kill the one who believes in Jesus. Sure, he's dead in one sense, but in another sense, the believer is very much alive. And everyone who possesses by faith in Jesus that life which can never really be taken away or extinguished even by death can never really die. This is the thrust of verse 26. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? And I asked you, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that therefore He is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe, do you believe that there is life to be had by faith in Christ, which can never really be taken from you. Do you believe that if Jesus stood before you and told you, your brother will rise again, that he might well mean right now? Do you believe that that's the power that Jesus has, the authority that Jesus has as the Christ, as the Son of God who has authority to lay down his own life and to take it up again, to give life to whosoever he wills? Do you believe that a time is coming when Jesus will stand before those who are alive at his return and he will tell them my people will rise again and he will mean right now. Do you believe in the power that Jesus has over death as the Christ, the Son of God, as He who laid down His life and took it up again and now lives forevermore to intercede for His people and thereby to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God by faith in Him? Do you believe in the power that He has as He who is the first fruits from the dead that is the harbinger of many more resurrections to come, do you believe in the power that Jesus has over death? Perhaps it seems too good to be true, but in this case, in this case, it is true. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. For Lazarus, that meant right now, this is what Jesus wanted Martha to perceive and to believe. He wanted her to fix the eyes of faith on Him. I had the resurrection and the life He said to her. He wanted her to fix her eyes on Him, the eyes of faith on Him. And He wanted to take the bellows and blow onto that hope that was resident in her heart and so he says I am the resurrection and the life implicitly because I am here now your brother will rise again it's still going to take a miracle to help Martha really get here. because even after this exchange she still protests when he says roll the stone away But Jesus is insinuating what he is about to do. And he is pre-interpreting this miracle for her. So that when Martha stands there with her mouth wide open, her jaw just dropped. As she sees her brother come out in the grave clothes. Jesus has pre-interpreted this miracle for her. So that the category that she puts that in, in her mind, is wow. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Jesus, even though he dies, yet shall he live. Jesus wants Martha to understand that when Lazarus rises from the dead, he is rising from the dead because... Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And Jesus wants us to know also that Lazarus rose because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I came across a beautiful hymn this week, actually by accident. We received a pallet of books from Pastor Lee Powell, who is Chris's father in Toronto. He's downsizing his library, and so they sent us a pallet of books and as I was organizing, I came across one of the boxes had a number of old hymn books in it. And I just happened to flip open to a particular hymn, and I started reading, and it actually fit very well with what I was preaching on this morning. The first two stanzas read like this: Jesus lives. No longer now can thy terror's death appall us. Jesus lives. By this we know thou, O grave. Canst not enthrall us. Hallelujah. Jesus lives. Henceforth is death, but the gate to life immortal. Jesus lives. This shall calm our trembling breath when we pass its gloomy portal. Hallelujah. Let me unpack the logic of that poetry in conclusion. If Jesus does not live, then he is not the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world, and therefore he is not the resurrection and the life. But if Jesus does live, then he is the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world, and he is therefore the resurrection and and the life. He really is then the word become flesh to dwell among us. He really is then the one given by the father that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He really is then the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep and then took it up again. He really is then the resurrection and Life. If Jesus lives, then death terrors need no longer appall us. If Jesus lives, then the grave cannot enthrall. That's an old way of saying enslave or possess us. The grave cannot possess us, the grave cannot enslave us, hold us, enthrall us if Jesus really lives. Death is simply for us who believe in Jesus the gate to life immortal. Shouldn't that, shouldn't these truths calm us then when we pass through its gloomy portal? Jesus wanted Martha to know and wants us also to know that he is the resurrection and the life. Death cannot really kill us. There is a sort of life he gives to our souls which can never be taken from us, even by death. And when the right time comes for us, even if we've been dead four days or more, the tomb will no longer be able to keep our bodies either. As Jesus said back in John 5, 25, 28, 29, an hour is coming when the dead Will hear the voice of the Son of God. Those who hear it will live. All who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Just as Lazarus did here in John 11. So don't waver between hope and hesitation, as Martha was wavering in the passage before us. Believe, take it to the bank that Jesus is the resurrection and the life.